What's up, everybody? It's your main man, Spice Adams, and welcome to Off The Grid. I'm shooting this episode in New York, and I get a chance to interview DJ Clark Kent. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about how he met Jay-Z, talk about big, talk about shoes, all kinds of stuff, man. Stay tuned. Clark, you used to rhyme? You used to do freestyles? Uh, no. No. Well, well, only for a very short period of time, but I knew I was a DJ, not a rapper. <laughs> How long did it take you before you knew, like, all right, about, this ain't it? About, here's the thing. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm explaining to you why my rap thing lasted about a day. It's because I was around really good MCs, and every time I thought I wanted to do something, I wanted to be elite. Mm-hmm. So if I thought I'm going to write raps, I have to be elite. Yeah. So I was writing raps thinking I'm, I'm going to be elite and then rhyming them back to myself going, oh, no, nah, this shit's trash. <laughs> and then I got friends like that would look at me and be like, oh, that's trash. Like, what are you doing? And I can't be trash to that's, them. Because that's real they're elite. friends right there. You know, man. They're elite. You know, like yeah. Jazz O, Jay-Z, Sauce Money. These guys are elite. The yes. nerve of me to think <laughs> I should write. Kane is my man. Like, if, imagine me saying a rhyming from the Kane and then him, him going, dog, what, what was he thinking? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, no way. Because, I'm, again, I'm from Brooklyn, so, like, I, I'm, I come from the contact era of this rap, this rap and hip-hop thing. So, yeah. like, I wanted to be elite in whatever I took. So, like, I never wanted to be a break dancer because I know I'd have been trash. I never wanted to be a beatbox because I know I'd have been trash. That rapper thing, I'm literally one rhyme, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. Can't do it. I'm not That's good. all it took, huh? One time. You know why? Because as a DJ, as, as your as wife a DJ, heard you rhyme No, and, and never will. Never. <laughs> not gonna happen. No. You you know, I, I believe that people should know their um their boundaries. <laughs> so even Superman got kryptonite. Yeah, well I'm not I'm not Superman. I'm super DJ. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a big difference. This this how we gonna kick it off, man. Off the grid with my guy DJ Clark Kent. I did not know that you was gonna bust out those shoes. I thought he was gonna rock like some Air Force Ones or something. Why'd you go with those? This this is because I know I, you the you the you the sneaker guy. I, I, I'm a sneaker guy. Yes, I am. I, you know guy. what it is? Did you I really drop any like shoes them. off today that you were giving away? Nah, nah, today, not today. Today wasn't an outside outside day. Today was I'm coming to do this. For you, ah, because, my guy, because it's you. I appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's you, my dude. I appreciate yeah. you, man. So I just threw on the undefeated. Oh, you these are fire. Just, just threw on, just, just you know, just some light. This is, this is a light. I had day. to match my threaded shirt. This is a light day. Yeah, I mean, but it's heavy because you know I'm, I'm the undefeated is a fire. How many pair of shoes you got? A lot. Four thousand mm. at least. I hit the number right there. Huh? I did my research a little bit. <laughs> you got 4,000 <clears> shoes, man. I, I, who's counting? It doesn't matter. Me. I'm counting. Okay. Damn. 4,000? <laughs> but I've given away about 3,000. Mm. Yeah, you still giving them away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I only have two feet, so I should, I, it, it, it's wrong to have that many pairs of shoes. I'm honest enough to say that. It's just, okay. you know, it's like a slight addiction. I want my sneakers to look brand new every day, so that's why I have that many shoes. Gotcha, gotcha. How'd you get the name DJ Clark Kent? Um, like let's let's start there. 
That, that, he, that he was, happened. I'm pretty sure you didn't start off. I said the same thing with Preem. I know he didn't start off as Premier. I know you didn't start off as DJ Clark Kent. It, it's funny because I was called Clark Kent before I started DJing because I wore glasses. I wear glasses. I'm wearing contacts now, but when I was a kid, I wore glasses and they looked like Clark Kent glasses. So oh, all of okay. all the kids on my block made jokes, and um, I got cut up like since I was five. Mm-hmm. It, it was a a joke like that. Look at him with the Clark Kent glasses. Little Clark Kent, you know what I'm saying? That that's what I got. Yeah. And then when the DJ thing started, I literally didn't necessarily have a name. I'm nine years old learning how to DJ. I didn't have a name. So they just would call me that. And, you know, I, I went through names. You know what I'm saying? When I started writing graffiti, I used to write Blink. So I would oh, call myself graffiti? DJ. Yeah, yeah. So I would call myself DJ Blink. DJ you know Blank? Blink. Blink? Yeah, uh, but that didn't work. And then one day for about 72 hours, I was Grandmaster Blaster. But... <laughs> Through all of that, I was always called Clark Kent. So one day I just was like, you know what, you guys are making fun of me. It's gonna, it's gonna work against you. Ooh, nice. So I just, I just let it stay. So how did God's favorite DJ come about then? Um, that is divine nature. You know, everybody had something like Jazzy Jeff's the Magnificent. Yeah. Um, there's like people call Kid Capri the world's greatest. You know what I'm saying? They call Scratch the turntable whisperer. Mm. I figured I don't necessarily want to compete um, moniker-wise with anybody else. So, like, I, I picked God's favorite because, you know, I'm I'm very very much a believer in God, and um, I believe He's favored me in some things. You know what I'm saying? So, I would look at it and be like, I'm His favorite. DJ, mm-hmm. but it's almost like you can you can try to say someone's not the greatest or someone's not this or someone's not that. But how do you tell someone they're not God's favorite? Mm. You'd have to ask him. Yeah. So my thing is, ask him and see what he says. Mm, okay, I like it. So far, this this interview is is great. And 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 honestly, not slighting anybody because I don't feel like I'm better per se as a person than anybody else Mm -hmm. you know i think i'm a a very good dj though would you consider yourself a dj or what type of dj do you consider yourself oh i'm i'm a dj period like i don't think there's a a box for me because i play all kinds of music and i play all but we you know we just talk like off camera yeah because there's people who are considered between club dj and just like a club dj okay djing the, the, the thing really, really comes from being in clubs. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And when I started, there wasn't a hip-hop DJ. There wasn't a, a house DJ. There wasn't a, a disco DJ. There were DJs. Mm-hmm. And I come from that cloth. I don't come from the, oh, you only play this or only you only play that. But I play clubs. You know what I'm saying? I've been the tour DJ. I've been the radio DJ. I've been the event DJ. I, yeah, I still do events, but my core is I come from playing clubs. Mm-hmm. And to me, the hardest place to play will always be a club. Mm-hmm. And if I can succeed in a club, everything else is a cakewalk. So mm-hmm. I challenge my DJ life is to be a, a great club DJ all the time. Mm-hmm. So do you play a song to kind of see what the crowd will react to? Like, let me let me just dip my toe in real quick and let me just see what the vibe is. Let me play this vibrant thing or something like that, see what happens. Um, 
<clears throat> or do you already have something in mind? Like they're gonna like this. It, it's funny because that that's what I was about to get you. I never have a plan. Mm. I, I always I love it. I walk in and try to figure out what's my first record. Like that's literally the hardest part of my night is figuring out the first record. Once I got the first record, I got the next 10 records. Because I don't think one, two, three. I think one to ten. So once I get the first record, now I gotta think what's the eleventh record. Essence Fest? Yeah. Do do you do you remember me going to get the fire extinguisher? <laughs> yeah. Man, man, you were on fire. Not saying you. that you're not on fire like Thank you. usually when I see you, but goodness gracious. Thank you. Bro. I mean, every song I was like, <laughs> oh, oh. Thank you. Dog joint was amazing, dog. Thank you. Like I, so you're like a curator. Yeah, but it if I don't get the first song, who knows? When so, have you not gotten the first song? Like, okay, never not gotten the first song, but the thing is that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Like there's literally times I've been on the, my way to an event going, what am I going to play? What am I going to play? Like, it's almost every time I play, I'm just like, what am I going to play? What am yeah. I going to play? Ten minutes before I get on, what am I going to play? Two minutes before I get on, what am I going to play? It literally can happen a minute before that I figure it out. And once I figure it out, then the rest of the night is good. But I got to figure the first song. That's the hardest part. What about when it, there's a DJ on at seven? Right. And he has an hour to play. Right. And then you come on at eight. Right. So how do you transition out of he's playing, I don't know what he's playing, like T.I. or something like that? It like, doesn't how do necessarily you... matter to me. What okay. matters is I get my first record. So he can be, like I've had DJs um, who play before me. Like let's say we're in a club and I'm the headliner and I have to play at 1230, 1 o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. And the guy before me is unhappy because he naturally plays there all the time. And now he has to open for a headliner, right? So he's mad. So what does he do? <laughs> he's going to play the hottest 15 records in a row right before me. Mm. Like what he doesn't understand is I wasn't thinking those records. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the first record. So now if you've done that, thinking that that's going to derail me, oh, I'm going to play those same 15 records, but I'm going to play them better than you played them. Mm. Because now you've put me on a, different in a different place now i'm just like come on dog that's not what we do especially like if i'm if i'm if i ever have to open for somebody i'm gonna try to set the table so he can elevate i'm not gonna yeah. set the table trying to think he's gonna derail i don't want to derail anybody when it comes to a party because i think the most important part is that keeps going up and up and up yeah. don't think you can do that and derail me like i'm built here like i i'm built in a club so yeah. i'm thinking yeah, whatever you do, I'm going to turn it up. Oh, that's what you thought you should do? Okay, see, now that was wrong, because now I'm going to take those same 10 records and take it where you should have taken it. Mm. So it's always, what's the first record? Yeah. Yeah. I like it, man. I like it, dude. So how did, how did you get your start? Like, you know, you grew up and you saw some people on the corner with a turntable, and you was like, that's what I want to do. Well, I was a... Uh, when I was super young, I would play records for my grandmother. Oh, you're still super young. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> but um, I would what, play. What was it called? Happiness? No, um, Happy, Happy Landings. Happy I would Landings. play that song for my Happy grandmother Landings, yep. every day. See, I did my research. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, 
I learned how to use the stereo very young, and then um, I would just play records to see how she would react. But I would play her records. So you played every day. for your grandma first. Yeah, I played records for my grandmother. Nice. But in that playing records, I started to listen to the other records, and then understood that it wasn't just I love music. You know what I mean? So I listened to every song that came in the house, every record that came in the house. I would listen. But I'm five, six, seven, eight, and by the time I get to nine, my uncle. <clears throat> I go to his house and he has a, a two turntables and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And he goes, uh, that's what DJs use in a club. And I was like, oh, you know how to do this? And he goes, no. And I was like, well, why do you have it? And he was <laughs> like, because we go to the club all the time and I wanted to have in my house what they had in a club. And I was just like, well, what do they do with it? And he was like, they mix records together. And I was like, can you show me how? And he was like, no, because I don't know how. So he would play tapes of mixes and say that's a mix when you hear the two records at the same time transition into that's a mix and i would just listen mm -hmm. and i would go i want to learn how to do that and he would let me use his disco set yeah. because who knew what it was it just had two <laughs> turntables and this mixing thing in the middle and yeah. then like this is my disco set uh -huh. he didn't even call it a dj set because he wasn't a dj <laughs> and then um we would go to park jams in our neighborhood. And um, by the, I think I was like, it was either 11 or 12, but like I went to a park jam and Grandmaster Flowers was DJing. And he's like Brooklyn's superhero. And I stood next to the DJ set for the whole time just watching. And um, my uncle was cool with PDJ Jones and he goes, and, and uh, PDJ Jones, I had met him before and he was there with Flowers, and he goes, Flowers, that's the kid from up the block who could DJ. That's Hector's son. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, you you DJ? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's looking, at, he's looking at me like he's 11. What are you talking about? But I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you, you want to play a record? I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so he goes, pick some records. Pick a record. He said, pick a record. I picked up like 40. <laughs> and he goes, you know these records? And I'm like, yeah, I do. So he's like, okay, well, play one. And I played it properly. And mm -hmm. he was like, he knows how to mix them. He was like, I'll play another one. So he let me play mm -hmm. for 30 minutes at a park jam at 11. Mm. I'm like, nah, that's it. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's it. So I started rather young. Oh, okay. So from there. But you have to understand how weird it is for an 11-year-old yeah. to be doing something that 25-year-olds do. So making that decision at that precise moment probably sounded idiotic to everyone that I said it to, but here we are. It's dope, man. It's dope. So, so from that, <coughs> you were able to say, I like this beat, but I think they should have added this onto it or whatever. And then like, then you started to become a producer because you wanted to oh, that like came put you later. It came later. <laughs> that okay. came later. I, um, I was doing all kinds of DJing and um, Dana Dane. What do you mean all kinds of DJing? Clubs, block parties, house parties, didn't matter. Mm -hmm. If it was a DJ gig, I was playing. Okay. And um, one day I was DJing at Washington Irving High School and Dana Dane came to perform and his record was like three weeks old. Mm -hmm. But it was, it worked as soon as it came out, his record worked and um, he it came to like perform. going viral. I, I guess as you could say that. back yeah, it yeah, would be going viral. yeah <laughs> and um 
he asked me to drop his record for him and I dropped his record. But while his record was playing and he was performing, I'm taking the beat out and bringing it back in. And he's just like, yo, you, we never performed together, but you did that properly. He was like, what's your name? And I'm like, DJ. Oh, I heard you. I'm like, yo, your record's a good record. Yo. You know, good luck. Mm-hmm. And we, we parted ways. And then some weeks went by and he had a show coming up and he reached out to me like, yo, my DJ is not showing up to events. You want to mm-hmm. DJ for me? I was just like, okay, bet. Let me check I'm my like, schedule. Let, let, no, <laughs> not even let me check my schedule. I'm just like, okay, now I got a rap star, a, a future rap star to DJ for. Mm-hmm. So I went and I, I did a show with him. But and in this the is mid- the 80s. Oh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the I'm mid- just I'm just this is the painting mid-80s. a picture for everybody so they know, like, this no, is the 80s. No, he's aging me real quick. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's a different day and age. When you go look up Dana Dane and you realize that's 86, 87. Once you, you say Dana Dane, it's going to be a whole bunch of people like, what you, who's Dana Dane? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so I've aged myself by telling you. Now, anyway, um, so in the midst of all of that, he's recording his album and now I'm going to the studio with him because I'm his DJ. So if he needs scratches, I'm going to scratch. Mm. And I meet Herbie Lovebug and he has a drum machine and he's doing things on the drum machine. And I'm just like, but then who's also my friend is Molly Mott. Mm. So I'm in his house one day and he got the same drum machine. And I'm How just can like, you not learn? I'm just like, like only one day at Molly's house. And I was just like, I got to get that drum machine yeah. because he's, he's Molly Mott. Yeah. Herbie Lovebug is who he is and he's doing what he's doing. He's doing great. But like, He's Molly Ma. Right. And the reason we're doing what we want to do is because of what he did first. Mm-hmm. So I got a drum machine and I learned how to make beats because I just wanted to be able to take the actual music thing to another level. I didn't know what I was going to use it for or not use it for. Because we had drum machines before, but we didn't have sampling drum machines. We had 707s, 808s, 606s, 505s. Um, beatbox machines, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. We had all of that, but yeah. it wasn't like a sampling machine where you could take a piece of music, loop it, and it would sound like we were DJing. Yes. So that that changed everything. That's when I wanted to become something more than, or do something more than just DJing. And then I got my first remix, and it, it went well. So... Did you, like, the first thing you made, like, was it fire or were you like, ooh, this is... I don't know because (laughs) I didn't necessarily go showing it to everybody. I just, like, I'm going to keep making and making and making. And then uh, uh, I had DJ friends, Merlin Bob, Timmy Regisford, people like that. While I was DJing on the radio, we were all on the same radio station, but Mm. they had jobs at record companies. And one day Merlin goes, hey, have you ever remixed the record? Uh, sure I have. <laughs> <laughs> Never remixed the record ever, but I was like, sure I have. Mm-hmm. You know, because he knows I'm down with Herbie Lovebug. He's like, he must have done something. Yeah. So he's like, you ever remix it? Yes. <laughs> he gives me the ability to remix "Spread My Wings" by True. The True, True, yeah. And uh, I didn't, I, I didn't even know you did that. And and I did a good job. And yeah. Became, instead of it. Instead of the the original record being the video version, my record was the video version, and uh, now it, it had a gang of success overseas. Yeah, it had though, a lot right? of success. It had a lot of success here, overseas, everywhere. It mm-hmm. it was a 
a, a, a great experience <laughs> for me for being my first credit, my first real credit. So, yeah. um, and you were what? 20? 21, 21. maybe. Goodness something like that. Gracious, but, man, you were still getting carded. Yeah. And you got a hit just nah, like a, worldwide. What year was that? I think it was 88. I, whatever it was, however old I was, it was what I was. But it was, it, was, it was a good experience because it gave me the... In the music business at that time, if you make one good record, record companies will give you like 15 chances to do it again. Mm -hmm. So after that one remix, I did like 30. Yeah. And some were good and some didn't work the same way. But like I did uh, the remix to Audio 2's um, the Top Billing. Top Billing. Yeah. And in the United States, the record didn't need a remix. But if you go to Japan, you go to um, London or other places around the world, like the remix is bigger than the original record. Yeah. So I go to Japan and people are going, Top Billing remix. And I'm like, <laughs> and in my mind, I'm going, you like that? <laughs> I love the original, but you know, they asked me to remix it, so I did. But you know, so certain things work certain ways around the world, and you know, so that's dope. So you so were basically known as the remix for for a little bit. I was remixing a lot of records, and then you know, I just was like, if you can remix, you can produce. Mm. So started producing. So then that's when. So how did you meet Big and Jay? Oh, and I, I met Big. Was Big the first artist you met that was like, you know, like this dude is, this nah. guy is, he's the one? Nah. I thought Jay was the one from the first time I met him. You met Jay first? Yeah, yeah. I met okay. Jay when he was like 16. Wow. When he was with Jazzo. And I'm talking about Hawaiian Sophie days because they all used to record at um, Fresh Gordon's house. And Fresh Gordon was down with us with Herbie Lovebug and all mm -hmm. that. Fresh Gordon produced Push It. That's how okay. far back me and Fresh Gordon go back. And he produced on Dana Dane's album. So, like, we go back that far. Okay. So, and I used to be at his house, and Jazz O would come over, and he would be making records, and he would bring this guy. This guy was Jay-Z, and I was like... And you have to understand, in Brooklyn, we all thought Jazz O was the best MC ever. Mm -hmm. And then he brings this guy who's just as good as him. So, you know, I got introduced and was like, Jesus Christ. They're the greatest, you know what I'm saying? So when I got my job in the music business, the only thing I wanted to do was go get them. Mm -hmm. So I went to go get them and couldn't find Jay. I found Jazz. Jazz was like, yeah, I don't know where Jay is. And I was like, that's no help. <laughs> he was like, yeah, maybe Fade from the Shirt Kings could help you. So Fade from the Shirt Kings is actually who found Jay for me. And I was like, yo, come on, bro. We need to make these records. You know, I got a record label job. Like, I, I got to sign you and Jazz. He was like, eh. <laughs> I don't buy no rap. And I was like, no, you have to. Yeah. Yeah, I'll call you when I come up. So he comes up. I'm just like, please, it, it's got to be you. And, and you need to know, in the midst of all of this, Nas is on um, Live at the Barbecue on Lost Professor's album. Mm -hmm. And so is Akinelli. And Akinelli's got like a whole album done by Lost Professor. So I get this album. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to sign Akinelli. But then Live at the Barbecue comes out and I hear this song and I'm just like, yo, Ak, who's that? Yeah. Because now I'm in a bidding war with um, Jimmy Iovine over Akinelli's album. I can't beat Jimmy Iovine because he's a president and I'm just a director. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I lose, but I'm like, who's this? He was like, oh, that's Nas. That's, that's Nas from Queensbridge. And I'm like, could you bring him here? Could you bring him? And you know what I'm saying? Like, let me hear. He comes, Nas don't have a demo. 
Mm. So I'm just like, I, I'm not a president. I'm not a vice president. I can't sign without a demo. And I, and I turned to him. I was like, dog, we just signed a group Dos Effects because they had a whole album done. I just need like two, three songs. So I, because I wanted to sign Nas because he said, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. I was like, wow, <laughs> he's phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he's spitting. Yeah. He's spitting something but, crazy. But, but he didn't have a demo, so I couldn't sign him. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But in that space of time, I'm still trying to find Jay. Once yeah. I find him, I'm just like, okay, because he's, to me, he's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I got the two best. I got Jazz and Jay-Z. I'm, we set it up. They're going to come to my house. And he goes, yeah, I'm bringing my next man, too. Like, who? He's like, sauce money. And I was like, all right. <laughs> he bring, they all come to the house, and they're all three of Brooklyn's most elite MCs. And I'm just like, I can't believe. Yeah, throwing your rhymes away. This, like, yeah, let me throw nah, that not away. even. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have the best rap group ever. Because... When you heard all three of them rap, you was like, it, you couldn't possibly rhyme better than that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so we were going to be the hard pack. Oh, that was the group? That was the name of the group, the hard pack. <laughs> and uh, it was me, Jay, Sal Sauce, and Jazz. And we just going to get started. And it never got started. But Jazz and Sauce would ever soft and would make songs together. Sauce would make solo records. Jay would make solo records, but not like Jazz would never like lock in. Mm -hmm. So like I had a bunch of records on Jay, a bunch of records on Jazz, on Sauce, a bunch of records of them together, but no Jazz. So it just started going in the Jay direction, mm -hmm. you know. And it was like, okay, Jay's gonna be first, and then it's gonna be Sauce, and then you know it went the way it went. I introduced him to Dame. Dame let become the manager. I'm the music. Let's, let's go get it. Yeah. And so th from that relationship, that's how you end up meeting Big? Well, like I met Big because his manager was a guy named Mark Pitts. Mark Pitts was like family to me. Like he, like he would go to school, come home from school, and hang out with me for every summer. Mm. And he basically ran the streets with me every summer. And he knew Puff and Puff's first parties, I was Puff's DJ. So all of them were like in like the Hard Pierre, Nash, uh, Nashim Myrick, uh, like D Dot. Mm -hmm. D Dot Angeletti, when he was 16, we were in the same rap group. Mm. We were in the same rap group before anything. Like he was Master D. There was no, he was <laughs> never D Dot Angeletti. Yeah. This is before Two Kings and the Cypher when he got with Ron, Ron, Ron Lawrence. Who Ron Lawrence was down with us at at um, Dana Dane and all mm -hmm. with, with with the idol makers, like the the crew the 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 mosh pit of is a lot of people that are connected somehow. So Mark was like younger than them, and he was more like right under Puff's age, and but like he was with me, and then at school he was with them. Mm -hmm. He became. Big's manager. Now I had already heard Big as a rapper and thought, no, he's great. Yeah. You know, but what is my attentions on? My attentions are on Hove. But I'm like, nah, this, he's great too. So when he jumps off and he needs a show DJ, Mark is like, bro, I need you to do this. And I'm just like, well, you, he was like, please, I need you to do this. And I'm like, all right, because. I did think his talent level was special. So yeah. 
I'm doing shows with him. But the first thing I, the only way that I, I could agree to it was I said, you got to come to my house and we got to work on a show. You had a studio at your career yeah, yeah, at, around this time. Okay. Yeah, and the studio in my house, I built the studio to record Jay. Oh, wow. I didn't build it to, to do you, anything. You, you else. knew. No, I absolutely knew. Yeah. Yeah. You like, knew this oh, was well, we, I'm going to record you. I'm going to go build a studio. <laughs> Instead of I, us I going to studio yeah. and paying for studio time, I'm going to build a studio in my career so we can get your record done. And, um, but I, I said, you know, like, too, too big. I'm just like, yo, I'm, I'm down to do this, but you got to come to my crib so we can work on a show. And he was like, okay. And I was like, when he got to the crib, I was like, I need you to do what I'm asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, yo, man, you done been on the road a bunch of times. You know what I'm saying? I know you was day-to-day DJ. You know, if you, whatever you tell me, man, let's just do it, man. And I was like, let's see if he listens. And he listened, and I was like, yes, we're going to have great shows because you got great records, and you can perform well. This is going to be amazing. And we worked well together, and while we were on the road, it, it became other. It didn't, it didn't feel like I was his DJ. It felt like I was like his older brother because on the road, I'm actually older than his whole team. I'm older mm-hmm. than his road manager. I'm older than all of the guys that he's with. Like, I'm everybody's, like, and then Big Junior brother. Mafia, you know, they Yeah, so when young. he's got little C's on the road, it's like 15, 14, 15. Shout out little C's. Yeah, my man. But he's like, one day, he's just like, yo, bring, bring some beats when we come back. We went home. He was like, yo, we're going back out in like three days. Bring some beats. And I was like, I must be ready to work on a new album. I'm like, bet. <laughs> I bring some beats. He's playing them in the, in the, in the, in the, in the tour bus. Mm. And like, soon as he has played his anthem, he went, grab your thing. I was like, oh, just like that. Huh? I was like, we're going to make a hit. Like, <laughs> but he's mumbling it to himself. And then he's like, yo, we're going to go home. And he's, and it, it was like a Wednesday. Yo, we're going to go home. We're going to record this. And I was like, you, you, dog, you're not working on your album yet. We, he's like, no, nah, we're going to do it for the kids. And I was like, what kids? He was like, the mafia. I was like, the mafia? He was like, yeah, the like kids. Like Junior Mafia? Yeah, he was like, the Mafia. He was like, the kids. And I was like, bro, they don't rap. He was like, don't worry about it. I was like, what the fuck? We went home. We go in the studio. He's like, just trust me. I track it. Whatever. Little C's goes in and does his part. And I'm like, we might have something. Uh-huh. We might. Big does his part, and then Kim comes, and she does her part. And I'm like, so the first time she's ever on a mic is that day. And I got to record the vocals. So I'm, like, walking her and training her through it. It's me and Big, and we're training her through rapping properly Mm -hmm. on a a microphone. Like, her first time ever, like, is Player's Anthem. That's crazy. murdered Player's Anthem. Like the next day, it's not even mixed properly. We put it on an acetate and take it to the club and bring it to Flex and bring it to um, Cap. And Flex was like, I don't know if I'm going to play it, but Flex, Cap, Cap was on first. So he just stopped. Goes crazy. Oh, he's just like, oh, I'm He's like, I'm going to play it. It's Biggie. You said it's Biggie, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's me on Big and we're all there. We're giving him this record like, it's the new Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, that's not Biggie rapping. I'm like, nah, but it's hard, right? And he's like, nah, that's hard. And then Biggie raps. And then little Kim comes on and he's like, yo, who the f 
is that? And I'm yeah. like, that's little Kim. And he's like, that's his protege. Like, this is his team. This is Junior Mafia, B. Right, now right, it's too right. late because now the club is ringing. So now he's playing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And well, it's like that's that's the one you play over yeah. and over again, man. But so now we we're off to the side. It's ringing all night, so it's ringing. LL Cool J walks in the club. Oh, snap. yo, clock, what up? Yo, big, what up? He was like, yo, what is this? I was like, that's the new Junior Mafia. And he was like, yo, who did that? I was like, I did it. He was like, yo, I need a beat like that. I said, you had it first. What? LL had that beat before anybody. LL had players anthem before anybody. Wow. That's crazy. And I was like, silver tape with the Clark, <laughs> DJ Clark Kent on it. Remember that? He was like, yeah. I said, it's the first one on the tape. Mm. He was like, what? I was like, yeah. I was like, you, you got to listen to it a certain way. You got to listen to it as a song instead of it as a beat. Like, to mm. me, to really get to making great records, when you get a track, you got to listen to it as a song and not yeah. just a beat. But yeah, so that's how. So he passed on it. Yeah, if like if he, he played it. That see, that's what I thought. I was like, he probably didn't play it, but you probably should have. Yeah, not. As, but it's all good. It's, you Too see late. The club going Too late. crazy. I'm like, I don't care. How did you come up with the beat? I, well, it was a sample that I loved. It was so you were just crate digging, and like, then yeah, you were yeah. just like, that's man. how I come up with every beat. I just I listen just to records. Just be vibing. Yeah, like I never have a plan. It's like just listen, just listen until you till you get to something that makes you go, oh, that'll be, oh, this maybe I could, you know what I'm saying? So you just listen. I can't say that works for everybody, but for me, like I could be walking past a store, hear something in a store that says, this could be ill, and I'll go figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I, even if I can't do it right then and there, I'll write the idea down so I make sure that I go try to figure it out at some point. Mm. So what's what's your biggest hit, in in your opinion? Because um, you know everybody is like, oh, well, this sold so many, this did. But well, to you, that might not be your favorite. Right. Song. Like, well, well, okay, I have my favorite record I made, and I have my favorite song that I made, and then I have like a record that's probably the biggest hit record, you mm-hmm. know. And um, the biggest hit would probably be what I did with Mariah Carey. You know what I'm saying? Oh, because it sold Lover a lot Boy. of records. Yeah, is it, the is Lover it Lover Boy. Boy? Yeah. yeah. It sold a lot of records. Yeah. But like, I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Until later, it was like, you know, you, it's probably your biggest record. I'm like, well, well fine. I accept. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, to me, the best r- record I made is uh, Brooklyn's Finest. But the oh, best, yeah, yeah, the yeah. best song I made is Sky's. They were going that back and forth was yeah. crazy. To man. me, that's the best it was record. Legendary. And, man. and and to me, the the, the title oh, speaks. The, the title speaks to what it is. It's Brooklyn's finest. It's Brooklyn's mm-hmm. finest MC. Brooklyn's finest rapper. Brooklyn's finest DJ. And it's us. That's dope, man. Yeah, but the 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 best song I made, I, I believe, is Sky's the Limit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely dope. Definitely dope, man. I don't, I'm I'm just trying to figure out how you come up with it. So, you were just listening to um, I forget the sample uh, of uh, Brooklyn's Finest. What is it? Ecstasy uh, by Ohio Players. That's yes. literally my favorite song. Really? Yeah, ever. It's have the you best. have you done anything else with it? Like yeah, I, I, tried, a, I tried it before. I tried, but I sampled only one bar instead of sampling the whole musical groove, and it didn't come off right. Oh, okay. 
Why, why, why you say it didn't come off right? Like, it, it just didn't. To you, be, it may not, but like, no, 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 I no, heard no, it, it, I might it, be it wasn't. I'm honest enough to say it wasn't right. Okay. You know, it, and, you know, if, if I listen to one and I listen to the other, I'm just like, yeah, this is way better. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what it should have been. Like, I sampled it, and the, the first time I ever sampled it was because it was my favorite record. And I was just trying to get part of the groove. But the groove is five bars. It's not one bar. The groove is five bars. So when I sampled it again, I sampled it like it was our favorite record. Like it was the crew's favorite record because I played the record at the end of every party I played. And the crew would be there. Like this is Jay, Damon, Biggs, everybody. We would be at every every club I played, they came to. And um, I would make that the last record I played every night. And... Like it just became like a crew anthem, but it was always since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. To me, it's the best song I've ever heard. Was Ecstasy by the Isle Players because it's not formatted. It doesn't have a hook. It doesn't have a chorus. It it doesn't have a verse. It just has feelings. The mm-hmm. whole song is feelings. It's like people probably can't even tell you what the the song says because it just sounds like feelings. So you you're basically into music, like it oh can yeah, be any genre. Yes, so that's like, my thing. Like because I, I don't, I've, I've like, seen I don't love you. DJing. You say you don't? No, I love music, so that mm-hmm. makes me a good DJ. I don't mm. I don't love producing. I love music, so it makes me a a, a decent producer. Oh, you gonna say decent? Yeah, I, I. There's too many people that I look at that are amazing for me to be able to say I sit in the same space have i done some things that can sit next to the things that they've done sure but to say i'm on the same plane as premiere never i'm on i'm on the same plane as pharrell never i'm on the same plane as kanye no i'm just not do i think there's things that i've done that sit in the same plane as things that they've done sure but their consistency is is different Mm -hmm. and that's their that's their motivation is producing. My motivation is I love music. Is there an artist that kind of got away from you that you was like, man, I want to work with him, and I just I keep missing him. Like I don't understand Nas. what's going on. Nas was yeah, going? but the thing is, we're gonna do it. I was gonna yeah happen. yeah yeah like he yes. went uh, recently. He said we, we were somewhere, and he goes, Yo, Clock, you still owe me one. Mm. And the funny part is, we did a song. We started a song, and he only got through one verse. He didn't finish the song. So when he said it. Oh, so he's showing Hit Boy favoritism, huh? You showing Hit Boy favoritism? No, no, no. Him and Hit Boy have a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. when you get together and you lock in with somebody like that, I I can't be mad at what's coming to you from those type of things. But um, he was like, yo, you owe me one. And I was like, I owe you one. I was like, (laughs) I gave you one, and you didn't finish it. And then he was like, yo, you're right. I was like, but I'll definitely give you one. Because I would love to be able to say Biggie, Jay-Z, Nas. Mm. You know? Yeah. Are they are they in your top five? Who? Biggie, Jay-Z, Nas. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. All right. I'm, hey, I don't know. I don't, I don't pass judgment. I don't assume. Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas. It's hard for me to say top fives with so many guys that I, I respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's it's 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 tough, and everybody always got their opinions. Yeah, I mean, there's no, dudes, you mean there's, to tell me you don't have? Nah, there's dudes who really, really can rap. Yeah, really, really rap, rap, rap. You know what I'm saying? If you told, if you asked me 15 years ago, my top 10 would look different than it looks right now because we got J Cole, 
Yeah. <laughs> J. Cole. He's deadly. Kendrick. Drake. Everybody. They, you know what I'm saying? they doing their thing. Yeah. They are doing their thing. So those are the, the guys you think that are carrying the torch. So Cole. J. Cole is carrying the torch. J. Cole. I put him. Like, if you, if I, I I'm going to pick one. And the reason why I'm going to pick one is because Nas still raps and Hove still raps and Pusha still raps and Jada still raps. Jada Kids, dog, he still raps, B. And, you know, but if I had to put one who carries the torch, only one, I would say J. Cole. And if I had to pick like two, I'd probably say J. Cole. And for the lasers, I'd say Lady London. Who can do a versus with DJ Clark Kent? If that were to ever happen. Anybody. Oh, come on, man. No, I do. I do feel like I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I would even want to do a versus. Yeah? Yeah, no, because I think you got to have like 20 joints. You got 20. I do, but I mean like the joints, 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 <laughs> joints, joints, like. <laughs> you got you got <coughs> You got you got more than twenty, actually. I'm, I mean, maybe, but I I, I don't want to. I'm not in competition like that, and I don't even think like you can look at that and you people will go. Oh, that's a friendly competition. Yeah, no, it's it's not because in essence you want to win. You know, what I'm saying yes, they put the money there, so it feels like it's all <laughs> it's all about the money, or it's about the the sport, or it's about hip hop, or it's about whatever. But no, people in the verses want to win. You know what I'm saying? Why do you think Jada went crazy against Dipset? Because he wanted to win. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or should I say the locks? Why'd they go crazy against Dipset? Because they wanted to win. The thing is, like, if it would have been prepared a little different, that would have looked real different. It, it could have looked a lot more even if it would have been prepared different. But the locks were ready. Oh, and, and and Dipset wasn't necessarily ready, yeah. but if they were, if they if if their DJ architected a certain way, mm -hmm. oh my God, would have been it would have been a lot more even. Yeah, it would have been a yeah. I mean, it was a classic, but I mean, it would have nah, been but like it, a it, back and forth just yeah, battle. but it, it it wasn't back and forth. It just got real lopsided. Yeah, and it didn't have to. It's about the selection and the moments that mm -hmm. you're selecting it, and it, it, it could have been different. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the locks are are battle ready. Yeah, type guys. Oh, no question, no question. They killed that man. Like I, I was watching it the other day, just like you know, you be falling asleep yeah, and, and then you the go phone back right? on your face. <laughs> like I was like, "Yo, Jada killed that thing." I, I don't know. I seen something on Instagram yeah. or something that reminded me of it, and I just went back to it. Like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. So. Let's talk about the originals. Like, how did that come about? Because usually, if you get with another DJ, it's like a lot of egos involved or whatever. But it's like, it's five guys who just like music. I mean, y'all all are the same. Like, y'all got the same vibes. Like, you know, we was chilling backstage in Brooklyn. Right, right. And it was just like, we was just kicking it, man. Yeah. It was dope. It was a dope, dope experience. Here's what happened. Um, when the storm that hit New York City, um, Sandy, there was a, a fundraiser that was thrown, and mm -hmm. the fundraiser, the people who put the fundraiser together went and asked a group of DJs, like, would you do it? And we were five of the DJs that got The asked. Avengers. No, it, it's funny, because there wasn't even a thing. It was just like, everybody was like, okay, 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 and the other DJ was Q-Tip. 
Oh, so I he didn't was asked too. So we all did this event. Yasin Bay, most deaf, hosted it. Mm -hmm. And the event raised a bunch of money for Sandy. But the club was like, yeah, that was dope. Mm -hmm. So they put a call out. Um, yo, would y'all, would y'all, the party was so dope. Would y'all get together and do the party again? And I was like, okay, so we start making the calls to see who would be in. Everybody says yes, but Q-Tip never answers. And I'm just like, yeah, I called the club back. I was like, yeah, everybody's in, but Q-Tip doesn't, he, you know, he ain't answer. He was like, well, would y'all five do it? And I was like, I, I guess, you know what I'm saying? And then they, we were like, okay, well, what do we call it? When they were like, well, um, you guys, they were like, well, you were the original first five that answered yes in the first place. I was like, we were the original, call it the originals. So Straight the like party that. was called the originals. We weren't a crew called the originals. It was the party. And before the party, we was like, yo, let's get together and go go to dinner. Mm -hmm. And I said at the dinner, I was like, you know, this thing can be cool if we treat it like our day off. And they were, they were like, what do you mean? I said, think about it. We all have rigorous DJ schedules. But if we come together on this once a month and call it our day off, then we're playing to have fun whoever's there gets to have fun with us i said and most important thing to do is leave our ego right here at this table mm. i said if we can leave it here then our future doing this could be real cool yeah and it wasn't oh well i make more money than this and you make more money than that and that's the way no it was like whatever we make we're gonna split it because it's our day off mm -hmm. so we all agreed we went in there the party was crazy and then it was like see y'all next month and every month we did the party for 11 years and it's been the same way. That's so dope, the only time it's really different is when we travel with it because now it's like, yeah, okay, now it's a performance instead of a day off because like if somebody says, hey, come to Vegas and do it, it's like, it's not our party anymore. They're investing into the originals. You know what I'm saying? So now it's like, oh, we gotta go and perform. Mm -hmm. We still approach it the same way, but now we know well, this is an hour, so hopefully they meet us halfway. Yeah. So how was, like, spinning, you know, during COVID? Like, how was that for you? Like, I know it was kind of, like, therapeutic. And, and for yeah. those of you who don't know, the originals, DJ Clark Kent, D-Nice, Rich Medina, uh, Tony, Stretch and Armstrong. Uh, Stretch Armstrong. So for those of you who don't know. But y'all yeah. been doing that together for 11, 11 years. years. Yeah, we celebrated our 11th anniversary a few weeks ago. I think the the first time I met you was was in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn like yeah. met you face to face. Yeah. Um and that was dope. You were showing me how to how to DJ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that was the first time I met your wife. Yeah. Everything. Man. I wanna I wanna go on record on this camera apologizing uh -oh. to Spice because I cut a record off a little short. <laughs> As he was about to be getting super busy, and I apologize one more time. I think this is like the twelfth time I'm apologizing, but I'm apologizing on I wasn't his gonna bring it up. platform. Yes, you were. I wasn't gonna we were bring it up. To it. You, you mentioned Brooklyn. I knew it was coming, so I, I want to apologize <laughs> for cutting the record off a little short, and it was not on purpose. It was just a feeling thing at that precise moment. Oh man, I 
couldn't get my skates off fast enough, man. I apologize. You know, Womack and Womack, that's that's my song right there. And, and it's never happened again. <laughs> Every time I see you, I let Womack and Womack go, <laughs> you ready, Spice? I'm not going to play it until you're ready. <laughs> hey, you know what? Kenny Burns was... He was so surprised when he seen me do the splits. He was like, "What? Oh, well, you a wild boy." Oh man, this is this is crazy. I'm completely we sober. We should know you could do the splits by the way you get out of cars. <laughs> we should know that, right? Yeah, you saw the. Uh, no, yeah, not crazy. I'm <laughs> Spice Adams is crazy, y'all. I mean, he's crazy. <laughs> but I, I love everything that you're doing, and and I, and I pay good attention, and, and I'm just like, Dag, he he's special to be able to come up with all of it. So, oh man, so thank you, much man. Much more success. To I you. appreciate you, man. I just I just need some more songs to dance to, man. Oh well, you you, you know gotta tell me what your feeling is, and I'll make sure you have it. <laughs> you got some projects coming up in the works? A little bit. Uh, something you could talk about? Um, one of my favorite MCs. I'm gonna executive produce his next album. We'll leave it that way. Uh, we spoke about favorites, right? Yeah. Right. One of my favorite MCs I'm going to executive okay. produce this next album. Now, I heard you mention Lady London. Yeah, she's, she's, she's the best. She is dope, man. Yeah, she's she so is dope. fire, man. She have, is. You, do, have you got anything in the works with Lady London? No. I, I, no? No. Just, just to support her, I think she's dope. Yeah. I've, I've known her for a long time. So of the new artists, you think she's like, she's, she's up there? She's top three best yeah. new artists. Yeah. When it comes to emceeing, mm -hmm. like I don't know too many people who could touch her pen. Yeah, she's she's nice with it, man. Nah, yeah, her pen is crazy. <laughs> is there is there any song that that you did that you were just like? Now, let me let me say this: Do you make songs and then you'd be like, you know, who would be fire? Like Buster would be fire on this song, or do you make songs like? For a specific style, or do you just I just I just want to make something. If you like it, you can get on it. Um, it's funny because I, I I've never said I'm gonna make this for this person. Okay. Until now, when okay. I have to executive produce this album, I'm the only artist I'm thinking is him. Mm -hmm. So everything I'm making is just for this. So I'm making 25 tracks that. He, he gets to pick 12 from to make the album. So my, my idea is make 25 tracks that are bulletproof so he can't make a mistake. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If I make 25 bombs yeah. and he picks 12, he gets 12 bombs. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it'll, it'll you know, work out properly. Gotcha. That's dope, man. I'm, I'm excited for it, man. I, I can't wait to hear it, yeah. man. Like, and, and, I, and I believe that it's music that anybody probably could get to you know because if you make bombs somebody should be able to figure it out plus i'm not making bombs and just saying go ahead do your thing i'm going this is the direction for the song because you can't executive produce if you're not going to do the whole job you gotta a and r the project i'm gonna a and r the project if he's if he if i give him something and he has an idea and the idea doesn't make sense i'm gonna go that's not what you should do here mm -hmm. it's more along this line because there is no more a and r anymore I come from a and r so I yeah. want to make sure that you make why, why Why do you think that? Because record companies are looking at things like analytics <laughs> instead of actual, yeah. do you make great records? It's like, 
with the attention span of people being eight seconds now, it's like, did it? Did I get it in eight seconds? Did I get it in eight seconds? Do I every eight seconds does it keep bashing me in the head? Does it keep bashing me in the head? Mm. And that's based off of analytics. Like you think about it, if you press play on somebody's song and it plays for ten minutes, I mean for ten seconds, that's an analytic. Mm-hmm. That's past eight seconds. Yeah. So that means it worked for someone for eight seconds, and I'm just like, that's not an analytic. That's a, I clicked on it by accident. Yeah. How do you, uh, the hip hop 50, how was that for you? Like, I know some people, and you, you, you're you never going to get it right. Like, some people feel like, oh, they should have had this. They should have had. Well, here, blah, here's blah, the blah. thing. Our culture, hip hop, doesn't cultivate itself properly. If it did, we'd have been preparing for hip hop 50 at 45 years. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, we're in the 50th year, let's figure it out. That's too late. Everybody knew that 50 was coming at 40. Mm -hmm. If you're not trying to figure out 50 at 45, how is 50 going to be the most amazing you've ever seen? You know, in essence, you can't have one concert to celebrate hip hop 50. It's almost like you need two weeks of celebration of concert. You know what I'm saying? Like all of these artists might have need, all of these parts of hip hop needed to be represented a certain way, maybe. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, there's no right or wrong. The idea that we're actually being celebrated is, is magnificent in itself because to get to 50 years that we started in the street, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Talk to me about the love of your life, man. I know we talk about music and DJing and your upbringing and stuff like that. Let's talk about the woman in your life, your wife. Um, she's the rock. She, she's the boss. She she. She keeps it all in line at home. Mm-hmm. She, she's that. I don't think I need to go that much deep into it because um, one of the things that destroys households is everybody being in your business. So everybody knows that's my wife. Everybody's seen me with her. I don't change my, 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 my trajectory on it. Like, it is what it is. And um, I think for, for the sanity and the sanctity of my family, y'all see it. <laughs> Let's let's do this because I know you you can't stand this. I know you hate it. You got to be crazy. <laughs> okay, for everybody everybody watching, DJ Carr can't can't stand selfies. So I'm not taking is, a selfie. And I know you're probably doing a video so you could try to catch me like you tried to catch me before. You're not getting oh, me in a selfie. <laughs> Forget it. Forget why, it. Why, why don't you like selfies? The selfies are for girls. <laughs> selfies are for girls. I mean, someone made a, a woman made a book about selfieing. Like, I'm not, I'm not subscribing. Can't do it. That was the funniest thing in the world, man. I'm trying to take this picture. And I'm just like wondering, like, why you keep this? Like <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> and then you take a video and, and screenshot the video. You ain't. I got you. This is a selfie. Oh man! So I photoshopped a selfie with uh, DJ Clark Kent to say I was the only one to ever do it, and uh, I made history, man. You heard him clearly. He said he photoshopped. That means it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, it happened. It's you. You and you in the photo. It, it happened. You, that's you running with that one. <laughs> okay. All right. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just keep it real, man. One time for everybody, man. I had to, <laughs> I had to Photoshop that thing, man, because I don't, I don't think nobody got a selfie. Nobody with DJ Clark Kent. Nobody. It's just, but now we didn't just started something. So now everybody about to run it. When, when everybody see this, everybody gonna be like, No, you don't get it. Like everybody's been trying to get a selfie. Oh, it is gonna get worse it's now. It's not gonna happen. I bet you. It's, it's gonna happen now, for sure. Just not gonna something. happen. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Hey, look, when y'all see DJ Clark Kent out here, get a selfie with him, please, and tag me. Please. You, you don't understand how many people try. Oh, I'm gonna we we need to get a selfie. You know I don't take selfies. <laughs> no, but you're gonna take one with me. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, stop. Yo, I literally take hand, people's phones out of their hands <laughs> and hand it to someone. Can you take this picture for this lady, please? Thank you very much. <laughs> I can't do it. I, I I can't do it. I can't. I'm sorry, man. If I ain't taking a selfie it. with my wife, why I'm taking a selfie with anyone else? I'm not going to do it. Not doing it, man. Kim Kardashian made a book about selfies. Like, that's not for guys, dog. It's not for guys. It's, it's not. Sorry if I see it sound chauvinistic, but I'm sorry. It's just, in my eyes, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for us. But you, you. <laughs> Spice Adams is the <laughs> photoshopped, yo. He photoshopped it and called me like, I got it. I got <laughs> you. Same night, too. <laughs> crazy, man. <laughs> Spice Adams is crazy. But that's why we love him, right? <laughs> You're a collection of shoes, man. Like that, for you to that started when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> When, when you come from the hood, um, you know, cars are like, you must be a millionaire yeah. if you have a car. And like, it's almost like sneakers were your car. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that, it, it, it was something to, that started your fresh outfits. Like you, if your sneakers were fresh, you could wear the same white t-shirt and the same blue jeans every day. If your sneakers are fresh, it looks like you got on a new outfit all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. So the older guys in our neighborhood would always have good sneakers or a car, which is like, oh, you got a car. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a car, you got good sneakers, right? So we aspired to be like the older guys in our neighborhood. So um, first of all, to have a pair of name brand sneakers was like, you hit the jackpot. Yeah. I mean, jackpot. Like, and understand me, pro kids were like $10. To have a pair of pro kids is like, what? You know what I'm saying? You got pro kids. <laughs> Again, I'm speaking the 70s, you know, so. Um, my uncle, same uncle who had the DJ set, he was a lawyer. Mm. So he had money. Oh, we <laughs> thought he had money, right? Yeah. So he bought me my first pair of name brand sneakers. He bought me my first pair of Pro Keds. I cleaned them every day mm. because I was I had a pair of sneakers that the older guys on the block had. So it was almost like I was accepted. I was, yo, you oh, you got some six, you got some Pro Keds, you got some Royals. Yeah, Playboy. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, they're Playboy. And I'm okay to call them Playboy because I got the same sneakers you got, right? So we're growing up, and and we just want to be as fresh as the older guys. And back then, you had to figure out some money because we didn't have money. Like, we come from a a rough neighborhood, and we come from a rough upbringing. We didn't have it. So everything that we, every dollar we tried to make, we were either trying to be fresh or eat. And for me, it was be fresh or get records. So every dollar I made, 
I split it in half. It was 50 cents for records, 50 cents for Get Fresh. So you would save as much as you could to be able to get fresh and to get records because that was my thing. So getting fresh for me meant new sneakers because it made every outfit look brand new. So you could wear the same pair of Jordache or Calvin Klein jeans for three years (laughs) with brand new sneakers. Those jeans were brand new all the time. You know, so it it started then and it, it became an addiction. And I just always wanted fresh sneakers and I always wanted to be fresh. It wasn't about how many pairs, it was about are they, do they look good or do they look brand new? And I just wanted the sneakers to always look new and it became quite the problem. So I was weird when I was young because I got looked at like, why do you have that many pairs of sneakers? Hey man, I appreciate your time. My God, DJ Clark Kent. I appreciate being asked. God's favorite DJ, the best ever. Hey, I accept that. Yeah, man. (laughs)